this city. Um, it really feels like the time's flown by, and um, we're loving it. Over New Year, we had a bit of time kind of reflecting on, on this last year gone and, and the, our time with you and how much we've enjoyed it and looking forward to all that God is calling us to in the new year. And we have to say we're very excited about everything. <laughs> um, and actually, that's where I'd like us to, to be looking. As we're looking back at our series in Ephesians and finishing that off, I would love us to be looking forward into all that God is calling us to as a church in this new year and in the seasons ahead of us. So we, as a church, in the last few months, we've been going through this book, this letter of Paul's to the church in Ephesus, Ephesians, and we've seen uh, Paul writing to the church, and what he's doing is he's, is he's giving an overview for the believers. He wants to give them a framework for living and thinking in Christ and in, as a Christian. And so he, he unpacks some foundational teachings. And so we've seen, as we've come through this letter, we've seen um, all that Paul has said. No, as a Christian, this is who you are. You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. You've been chosen in love. You were dead in your sins and your failings, but you have been made holy, as we've sung. You've been made holy, blameless. No more guilt, no more shame. And it's not just a New Year's resolution type thing, I'm going to try better. You are a new creation. I'm not going to ask how many of you have already broken your New Year's resolutions. Some of you are relieved. <laughs> no, we, we've been made new. That's what the Bible tells us. We're not just doing something new. We have been made new. We've been adopted as sons. We were once children of wrath, we were told. The anger of God burnt against us because of our wrongdoing and our sin. But we've been adopted and made not children of wrath anymore, but children of God. And because of this, we have an inheritance guaranteed that we look forward to in hope of. And Paul has been looking at all of this and he's been saying, this is your identity. This is who you are now. And this is how you, this is, this is going to be the thing that shapes your life going forward. It's not because of anything that we've done so that none may boast, but it's what God has been doing in you. And he said that this hasn't happened to you alone. You're not an individual who's stumbled into some great treasure. You are brought into a family. You know, he says, those of you who were far off and those of you who were near have been brought together because of the blood of Jesus, because of what Jesus has done. Jesus has made us one body, he says, one family with God as our father. I just look around this room. I challenge you to find anywhere else in this city where you will see such a mix of people. Those dividing walls that came between us and God came down when Jesus died on that cross. And as that happened, so did the walls that divided us, that stopped me from interacting with you guys. And we are a family because of who we are in Jesus. And then... He's gone on to say, 
this is how this, is how this will now impact the rest of your life. So we've looked at this over the, as we've come through this letter. We've seen how these incredible realities change the way we live. We're children of the king. And so we don't steal because what kind of child of a king steals when they've been blessed with every blessing? It's all yours. So why do that? If we're lovers of these truths, we don't lie. If we've been brought together into a family, we don't talk badly of each other or to each other. No, everything we do is to build one another up in love. Paul's been really pressing these things on us. We've seen what it means for marriages, for relationships, for work, and for families. And then in this last couple of weeks, as Mark and Dan have been preaching to us, we've seen that the Christian life is a battle. And that's not a metaphor. It is actually a battle. <laughs> but he says, not against flesh and blood. There's no group of people out there who are the baddies that we're fighting against, who are the enemy. No, but, but we are fighting to stand in these truths that we've been looking at over these months. We're fighting to live in these life-changing truths and for love and unity amongst us as a church. That's what we're fighting for. And to see the gospel advance. And that's where we come to today. So at the very end of this letter, we hear Paul's final words to the Ephesians. So if you have your Bibles with you, would you just turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6? I'm going to read from uh, verse 18 until the end of the chapter. Um, it might come up on the screen, but we'll see. I'll just read it to you. So, to that end, with that in mind, um, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication and prayer for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak, so that you may know how I am and what I'm doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. So, Paul is signing off his letter with a little bit of news about himself. We've seen he's in prison. And he's sending this guy, Tychicus, who is going to be the letter bearer to the church in Ephesus. And his job is not just a delivery boy, but he is the one who, who would then read the letter at the front of the church, like this, and then answer any questions that people might have about it, and give news of what's going on in, with Paul, whoever's writing the letter. And so that's what Tychicus has been sent to do, to encourage, to teach, and to give news of what's going on. And so I want us to look at, as we're 
finishing this and looking forward into the new year, I want us to look at, well, what is Paul doing? What is it he's doing? I mean, he's in prison, can't be doing much, but what is he doing? So we've already seen in the letter that that Paul has told us something of what he's doing. As an apostle, he is laying foundations for the, in the church. You know, he's giving that, like we said, he's giving that framework, that overall story for the church to live in and grow in and build on. Saying, this is, this is who you are. So that, as he's telling them who they are, what God has done, he's laying a foundation in the church. This last week, we started our foundations course. Um, it's a good group, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> good. <laughs> I'm glad someone agrees. Um, and yeah, over those few weeks, we're going to be looking at, very similar to what Paul's been going through in this letter, those, those key foundational sturdy stones that we live from as Christians, those key core values and beliefs. So that's what Paul's doing in this letter. Even as he's telling us that that's what he sees his role as as an apostle, he's doing that for the church in Ephesus. Um, but he tells us elsewhere that, that that's not the end goal. He's, he write, as he's writing to the Corinthians, actually, he says, you know, our, our hope is that as your faith increases, we will be released to preach the gospel in the lands beyond you. you know, so for Paul, a thriving church with a fantastic worship team, fantastic speaking every week, great kids' work, great evangelism events, a thriving student work. That's not the end goal. We're going somewhere. And these things, they're great. He wants maturity. He wants the church to be taught well, to be building on firm foundations. But this foundation is for a launch pad. And we're going somewhere. We're mobilizing. We're doing something. So Paul is saying, you know, I want you to thrive. I want you to be mature. But I want you to understand these things, these truths that we've been looking at so that you're able to come with me and partner with me as we continue to take the gospel to the regions beyond, to the ends of the earth. And so Paul says here, doesn't he, you know, uh, I'm proclaiming the mystery of the gospel. To that end, keep alert with perseverance. Pray for me, pray for the saints and also for me that words may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Paul is very clear in his thinking, in his laying of foundations and in his doing The gospel must go to everyone, everywhere. He's dedicated his life to this. He's been beaten for this. He's been shipwrecked for this. He is building in that direction. The gospel must go. And that's what we're doing as a church. (laughs) That's what we hold as a church. As we're waving alpha leaflets from the front, we are saying we are going. We must take the gospel. 
Even from prison, Paul is eager to take every opportunity to work, to see the gospel advance. So he's in prison, but he's asking, Give me, uh, pray for me that I might speak boldly, that the gospel might take hold of people. I just want to speak boldly as I ought to. We want to be praying that for ourselves. And this mystery of the gospel that he's talking about here, I boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel. We've seen elsewhere in the letter, haven't we, that phrase, this mystery of God. And we've seen, as we come through the letter, that this mystery is no longer a mystery. It's not something for us to decipher. We're not talking about weird spiritual um, things that we're trying to tap into and work out and meditate on in some weird mystic way. The mystery of the gospel has been revealed. And that mystery is that all people from all places and all backgrounds can come to know God through Jesus. This is the mystery of God revealed. You want to come to him? Come to him through Christ. All people from all kinds, colors, creeds, through Jesus, they come. That's the mystery of God revealed. But for some people, and Paul's very aware of this, for some people, they've not heard this or understood it. So they need to be told that verse from Romans. How can they hear unless they've been told? <laughs> How can they be told unless someone is sent? At Jubilee, we love our city. It's amazing to hear these prayers and prophecies from the front. God said, this is what will happen in your city. As you look north to Orchard Park, this is what I'm promising for you there. And we're excited by that because we love our city and we love Orchard Park. But there are whole towns and cities and nations that have no church like Jubilee to hold and proclaim the gospel. Nothing. Places that we're loosely in contact with. We've got friends there. They... They need the gospel to be preached there. Paul is aware of that and it's burning in him. And, and as we as a church, we're looking at our city, we also need to be aware of the places beyond us, the lands beyond us. That's what we're building foundations for, is that we might go, that we might be sent, that we might partner with this work that goes into the nations. Someone needs to go. I wonder if, Someone here who's feeling that. It was interesting, actually, in the week we were talking through um, the next series that we're going into, and, and, and Dan actually just said, I can't remember what context it was in, but Dan said, looking into next year, isn't it exciting to think who might not be with us, <laughs> who, might, who we might have sent, what they might be doing? And suddenly in the room there was a, like, there was a static, there was a buzz we were thinking, yeah, what is God going to do amongst us? This group of people here who are gathered in this hall, how many of them are we going to launch into the north of the city, into the regions beyond us, into the nations that have yet to hear about this mystery that's been revealed, this good news about Jesus? Someone needs to go. We're excited as we pray through who that might be. <laughs> and I, I, pray, would you consider 
what that might look like for you. It might look like taking these alpha leaflets, going to your neighbours. It might look like leaving your home. Someone needs to go. Paul, as he's, as he's saying this to the church, and he's saying, pray for me, because I want to preach the gospel well. That, that pray for me is significant. He's saying, as I'm preaching the gospel, I need you to join with me. Like, don't wait for me to do it on my own. This is not a spectator sport. Join me. Pray with me. Pray for me. Carry the weight of the gospel in your prayers for Orchard Park, for the other cities and nations. We've so loved this week of prayer. <laughs> what a great way to start the year, isn't it? And to hear some of the news of what's been going on in those meetings and prayer for healing, prayer for... And now suddenly, out on the, on the back of that, there's, there's hope of revival. And there's, there's praying for revival and there's new life amongst us on the back of prayer. Who's managed to make it to any of those meetings this week? Did anyone get there? They were good, weren't they? <laughs> they were good. Paul's saying that a key part of this work that we're involved with is prayer for the nations. It's prayer for it. Elsewhere, he says, as he's writing to his um, co-worker, Timothy, he's saying, I long to see everyone everywhere pray that the gospel may advance. As a local church, we're not just called to Hull, to our little parish, our little town. We're called to the nations. We're called to carry the weight of that call in our prayers. We've picked up this last week. I'd urge you, do not put it down. <laughs> there are ways for you to join us as we pray together. Sunday mornings, we gather from quarter to ten. us here as we're praying into the morning meeting. Come and join us. Come and be with us in those moments. And then, of course, in our monthly meetings as well. Come join us as we take on as a church, praying for what God is doing amongst us and in the nations. It's a key part of our life here. It's a key part of this work that Paul is laying down and saying, this is what I'm doing, join me. And we saw when we, when we were taken through by Dan the whole armour of God that prayer is a key weapon to us. He says, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. How? Do it by praying. Prayerfully wield this sword so we don't want to deny ourselves part of our equipment as we're going forward into this uh, battle to take the gospel we've also seen that well what else is Paul doing well clearly he's in prison <laughs> there's some conflict here we've seen the church is not a stationary thing we were saying it in our foundations course um, just gone. And we're just saying it now that the church is on the move. As Jubilee, we're not here to just gather people to this hall to see how full we can make it. We're going somewhere and we're doing something. But we're going somewhere, we're doing something that is going to come into conflict and confrontation. 
It's not simply that the church has unpopular beliefs. No, actually what the world doesn't like about the church changes from town to town, from nation to nation. And actually from in like 20, 30 years, the things that people are complaining about the church today, they'll find something else to complain about in, those time, in that time. There's something about what we carry. You need a saviour. You need saving that is an offence to the world. Paul found it as he went. You know, I've said he was shipwrecked, beaten several times, imprisoned, threatened with death, stoned, left outside a city to die. Got up, dusted himself off, spat out a tooth, walked back into the city to preach the gospel. We are going somewhere that is coming up against us. Paul said, hasn't he, earlier in the letter, you know, for this reason, for this reason, you know, because the gospel is now for all people in all places, I am a prisoner on your behalf. What does that mean? Does it mean it's some sort of weird, detached um, sort of suffering as a spiritual person? I'm suffering in some holy way. No, it means... Because the gospel's for you, I'm going to take it to you. It just so happens that me taking it to you is going to land me in some trouble. I'm going to get beaten for it. But for, for the sake of you, for the sake of the gospel, I will endure that. And you see it, as you read through the book of Acts, you'll see. There's no walk in the park. No, the church is faced with opposition. It's an essential part of preaching the gospel. We don't feel it so much here. But we have friends in parts of the world who do. Here, you might not get the most polite response when you try to hand somebody an alpha leaflet, but that's, that's small in light of how it is for most of the world through most of history. Christians suffer to take the gospel to their friends and to the nations. So I pray for us. Would you be equipped? That's why we need the whole armor of God to suffer for the sake of taking the gospel. That might look like laying down your life. It might look like moving home. It might look like moving. It has been granted to you, says Paul, as he's writing to the church, not only to believe, but also to suffer for the sake of Christ, for the sake of the gospel. And this wouldn't come as a surprise to the Ephesians. If you read through Acts and you see how the church was planted and started, they've seen opposition. You you look at Acts 19, there's riots in the city because the city was used to worshipping a pagan God. Then Paul comes, preaches the gospel, and people turn away from the pagan God, and suddenly people who make their money over there in that temple have complaint about the church. And there's a riot. And Paul has to be snuck out. And again, as Paul comes back to the city, he meets with the Ephesian elders and he says, and he warns them, guys, I'm not staying with you because the gospel needs to go you're going to suffer for the sake of the gospel. And so when the Ephesians hear news of Paul, Tychicus, how's he doing? Oh, he's in prison. They're not surprised. 
Because they know that that's what it takes sometimes to take the gospel. And here at Jubilee, we are engaged in the same conflict, the Bible tells us. That same conflict that Paul was in. You know, we're not looking at him in some weird, admiring way, as though he's some historical character. No, we're engaged in that same battle. So we must be ready to, with the whole armor of God, fight to see the gospel advanced. So, as I've said, we, as we've looked at Paul, as we're looking at Paul in Ephesians, we're looking at what he's doing. But we're not simply looking back, admiring a hero of ours. We are looking at him and thinking, well, what are we doing? Where do we sit in that story that Paul is part of, that he's telling us that we're part of? You know, Jen and I, we, we came here not because... We love chips, spice, and patties. We came here because we were called. You know, we were in London. And God took hold of us. And Steve got in touch with us. And we found ourselves here and very much a part of what God is doing. And excited to be numbered amongst you. Loving what's going on here. And excited to be part of what God is doing here. What he is doing here. What we're doing here. And where he's taking us as a church. As, as Jubilee, we're, we're looking north at Orchard Park. At, you know, every time I see Orchard Park in the news, it's, it's not a good thing, is it? <laughs> the latest thing was, I saw was gang activity stops buses in northern um, uh, Hull Estate. I'm thinking, I, I'm pretty sure I know where that is. <laughs> but God's called us there as a church. It was amazing to have the prayer meeting there on Wednesday. And as we holding open heart before God, Lord, we feel called here as a church. Oh, would you lead us? We want to see the gospel advance in Orchard Park. We want to see our work here in the community grow. It's amazing. That's some of the things we were amazed by when we arrived at Jubilee. Amazing to be part of it. We want to see that grow. We want to see the things that we're doing here, the Life College, the school that we're going to be starting. We want to see that grow and advance. It's exciting to hear another Alpha course is starting. After the, seeing the fruit of the last one, we are giddy <laughs> to see what will come of this one. This is what we're doing as a church. And, and even last year, it was, it was amazing to see to, and to send teams into Malawi and Romania and to see as we go forward into this next year, into this new season, where is God going to take us as our involvement with the nations increases? And it is a joy and a real privilege of ours as a church to be partnered with regions beyond and, and to be partnered with churches and individuals who are all over the world suffering for the sake of the gospel in Africa, in India, on every continent, but churches being planted. So even as a local church, we're called to carry this work to the nations and in our city. So that's what 
Paul's doing. <laughs> this is what we're doing. I wonder where you feel you fit in that. Because I'd love for you not to be spectators, <laughs> but to come with us as we see the gospel advance in our city. I'm going to invite the bands to come back up and we're going to respond. Um, but just as you do, would you just stand with me? you've got children upstairs, would you go and collect them now? Yeah, Yeah, Lord, we we thank you that you've been with us as we've come this far. We do thank you that Jubilee has an amazing story behind it. Over the years, you've been with us and you've and we've seen the gospel advanced in this, um, in this city and in our communities. And many of us have been brought into this family because of it. We were dead in our sins, children of wrath. But we've been brought into your family. Now, children, sons of God. Lord, I thank you that what we hold is not just for us, but is for the nations. God, would you... Equip us now, even as we've been hearing over the last weeks. Do you equip us for what you're calling us to as a church? Equip us for our city, to serve our city, to see people saved in our city. Equip us to look beyond that as well. Our own boundaries, look beyond the boundaries and to see the lands beyond us and all that we're called to there. God, would you be with us? Amen. I wonder, maybe there are people here who have not yet crossed that line of faith. They've not yet made that step into this family. I'd love to offer it to you. Would you come with us? Join the family. Come with us on this adventure. If that's you, I wonder, would you come to the front? We've got a ministry team who will pray for you. And as well, maybe you feel, as I've been speaking, that that tug. Ah, the gospel must go. If that's you, we'd love to pray for you. As we were saying, you know, we're excited to see who we're going to send this year, where we're going to go this year. If that's you, would you come to the front? We'd love to pray for you over to Steve who's going to lead us into this time. There's so much that God's been stirring in us this morning, isn't there? It's so important that we continue to respond to him.